I have a doctor appointment. Okay, oh. all right. So we'll uh, uh, we'll make this a short one, but it's actually not so much problem. And it's good to see you again, um, Lauren. And I'm glad to hear that you're um, beginning to pick up on um, the daily practice uh, and beginning to use some of the anchors that I uh, mentioned to you. The anchor of when you get out of a chair or the anchor of when you're sitting down or the anchor of when we pick things up with our hands or touch things. Um, and this is a very good practice for waking up to be in the present moment. That in fact, um, it's, it's almost surprising, people say, when they begin to practice this, it's a surprise at how much of the time we're not in the here now, how much of the time the human mind uh, being as sophisticated it is to go and travel and go other places and think other things, that's what we do. And we don't stay in the present moment much. Yes, it's very uh, crazy. <laughs> the other part of that is, is that we're uh, in the mind wandering around going from place to place. This is actually referred to as monkey mind because we're jumping from place to place to place, thinking about this and thinking about that. And that um, what we're in a way, the, the word anchor is another way of looking at it in the sense of finding a home that, that most of us um, are actually looking for a home, but we don't know how to describe it or actually what we're looking for. We're just out there looking for something. And so we'll grab it, anything saying, will this do? A Maserati or a BMW motorcycle or whatever it is, uh, we'll think that, that that will do, that that will be what brings us home or anchors us to where really uh, what we're looking for is the home that we're already in if we would stay there mentally. And wherever we are in that present moment in that particular place, that's the here now that has always been our home. And here we are jumping around looking for that which we've already got. Um, some of the philosophers talk about that, that uh, uh, though they searched the whole world over, what they were looking for was always right in their own backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so this this practice is uh, what we're doing is the practice of remembering to come home. To remember to come back to what's real for us. Because we only want the the feeling, right? The feeling uh, of the the car or the new car, or just the feeling of uh, this new activity is just being satisfied or happy with it. Right? Ah, you're pointing at it. Yes, this is the whole idea. Is is that somehow or another, we as humans have gotten ourselves dissatisfied, and we don't recognize then that being at home is the satisfaction that we're looking for. Mm. And so we go out looking 
for satisfaction or looking for love in all the wrong places. And that when we do come home and start to practice this, this is when we begin to understand the issue about the fact that, oh, we left the here now because we were dissatisfied. Now that we can come home, we're still dissatisfied. What's with that? And so this is where this practice of Anapanasati that the Buddha um, is talking about, and he talks about it in so many suttas with so many different ways. Um, I think it's in sutta number 22 when he actually gives a long list of similes that he has given and that researchers have worked sometimes uh, long into the night trying to find the reference to all the similes that the Buddha gave, but they didn't make it into the suttas. But there's a lot of different um, um, ways of uh, or different stories, different understandings. Um, and that kind of what my job is, is to find a few stories that the student can click with, to understand, to figure out that uh, being at home and being satisfied is what we've been looking for when we're out after they're out actually chasing and leaving home because we don't know how to find that satisfaction. So you mentioned, as I've said before, <clears throat> that we can begin to practice with just a little bit of satisfaction. And that that can also be stated um, <clears throat> in this many, many ways of talking about it. It's basically this kind of the same thing. And that uh, one of the ways of talking about it is to change the thoughts that we have from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. Or another way of saying it is to changing our uh, thoughts uh, and verbiage from unsatisfying thoughts into satisfying thoughts. We can actually talk ourselves into being satisfied because we've been talking ourselves into being dissatisfied all along anyway. So now it's time to start to talk ourselves into being satisfied. And that um, often when we practice this, we say, oh, well, I've got satisfaction, but it's not enough. I want real satisfaction. I want deep satisfaction. And what that means is, is that they're still practicing dissatisfaction when they're practicing satisfaction. I also saw that with students who were when using the word joy, which is another way of looking at it. Joy and satisfaction, contentment are, are very closely related. But the students would say, oh, well, I feel joy, but it's not enough joy. I want to be over the moon joy. All right. Yes. Well, um, if we can't jump an inch off of the ground, why are we disappointed because we can't jump 10 feet off the ground? And if we can jump an inch off the ground, then why are we still disappointed because we can't jump 10 feet off the ground. You see, at least we can jump. That's the whole idea. If we can jump, then that can begin to be a, a, the training. 
or to change the mind out of very heavy duty unwholesome thoughts into thoughts that don't appear to be so unwholesome. Because as we refine it and we begin to see the unwholesomeness in those thoughts, then we can refine it still to find some some th some wholesome thoughts. One of them, by the way, that's very, very easy and convenient for me that I like very much is the thought of, oh, well, I don't have to do that right now. And we can come, we can use that on everything. That we can wait until we're ready to do stuff and then we can do it. That it's not the world that's impatient with us, which we thought when we were kids, because the adults are impatient with children. But in fact, we're no, it's no longer that the world is impatient with us, it's that we're in, impatient with the world. And so if we can learn to just be okay without doing stuff that, oh, I don't have to do that right now. Oh, I don't have to do that right now. I could do it later. And then the thought will come, oh, well, let me do it now. But now I can do it without the grumble and the grumpiness and, oh, I don't want to do it. Right? that there will come a time when we do things and we do it spontaneously, naturally, and joyfully. But most of the time what we do is because we thought that it needed to be done. <clears throat> yes. And so, so we do. We do it we with do wholesome thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We do things out of obligation. Mm -hmm. And often okay. we even resent that obligation. Mm -hmm. So you say I don't have to do it that way. You don't have the obligation anymore, and then right. you do it with the joy and uh, playfulness. You got me precisely. That's exactly the way of looking at it. Is is that because we don't have to do it now, we've taken the obligation out of it. Now that we've taken the obligation out of it, we can do it happily. We can do it with joy. And uh, is uh, what you refer as uh, wisdom. Um, the ability to say like, uh, okay, that would be wise if I do it. Um, just maybe to like um, have a certain outcome. Like if I don't um, uh, call uh, or go to my doctor appointment, then I will have to wait a week. So that would be wise to to go um, so they can so I can get ill faster, for example. Yes, in fact, what you're pointing at now is what the Buddha referred to, the statement, is the action that brings the end of action. That when we do what we're doing without regard to, oh, I don't like to do this or the, the trouble with it, um, nor do we do it because we're expecting some outcome in the future, that we can just do things but now we do things to end the doing. And so you just uh, mentioned one right there. That's a good example is, is that if I go ahead and do it now, if I go ahead and call the doctor now, then that will prevent a whole lot of extra work later. Mm. And so we're still looking for the easy way out. And so the easy way out is to find actions that bring the end to other actions.
it's just being like really lazy <laughs> and then we can get really really lazy okay and you see our culture is dead set against people being lazy yeah they want you to work and work hard so that they can gain some benefit off of what you're doing mm -hmm. the democrats want you to vote right they want you to yes. vote they want you to go out and vote why because they get the benefit of your voting Maybe you don't, but it's patriotic as you're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. I felt this uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when we can recognize that much of the activities that we do, we either do them uh, unnecessarily or we do them with frustration and obligation or a sense of greed that I've got to get it done uh in order to preserve my feelings now when we start to practice this new way of let's be in the moment let's be at home and let's be satisfied directly without having to go and do stuff in order to get the job finished so now that i can rest that i could just rest any time that i want to that's that's the new way of looking at it and that <clears throat> we begin to see that this works. In the beginning, we don't trust it. Many people, it says, oh, well, if I just did what you would do it, I'd just stay in the bed all day and never get anything done. But here they're saying that they want to get stuff done, and they're afraid that they'll stop doing the things that they want to do. Yeah, when in exactly. fact, what's really going on is they stop doing the things that they don't want to do. <laughs> and they start doing the things that they do want to do and, and gaining pleasure out of it. And so this whole quality of going out of the unwholesome into wholesome thoughts and, and coming back to the here now and practicing being satisfied over time we begin, we begin to get the attitude, this works. This actually is a working system that we spend our whole lives going from system to system to system, wondering and then being disappointed about whether it's going to work or not. I mean, PhDs, look how hard people work to get a PhD. And now they got that PhD and now what? Nothing's changed. Nothing is enough. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever enough. And so when we practice now that everything is already enough, that change of attitude, we begin to see that not only the change of attitude is beneficial, but the whole, it's, it's like, why didn't I think of that before? Yes. You know, it's like, why, why have we been giving ourselves so much trouble all of these years when in fact we didn't have to? We were listening and doing what we were told to do instead of listening to this present moment and being right here right now. And so um, that quality then of going after just a little bit of satisfaction, just a little bit of joy, just enough to make this good enough, that that's what we're looking for. Now, in the West, uh, the Western mind state, um, let us say, congratulates um, over the top. 
Yes. You got to be better than everybody. You got to do it this way and do it that way and succeed and all of that kind of stuff. And by making the superlative or making the top quality the standard for everyone, we wind up having a generally miserable society because the, even those that are high quality are judged by an even higher standard for higher quality so, yes. so that there's no end to it. So if we change that mentality, we can become at home. So now we have basically the twin uh, job of coming home and, and being satisfied to practice those two things, to practice to come back to the here now and to be satisfied. Mm-hmm. A little satisfaction will be. In other words, we don't have to have super satisfaction because if we don't have super satisfaction, then we won't super satisfaction. And so we're not satisfied at all. Okay, yeah. So being satisfied with a little bit of satisfaction is being satisfied. Mm-hmm. So being it's, a, satisfied. It's, yeah. it's like Go a, going for uh, the little satisfaction, like uh, not searching. And also there is like kind of a feeling of when I when I go for it and I get a little satisfaction and I'm in the moment, uh, then I'm like, now what? <laughs> you uh-huh. know, it's a, yeah, it's a habit. Now, now here's something that's very, very interesting that we can see at a kind of a physical level. Maybe you know something about this already. But um, there has been a growing movement in the past 10 years or so that is now uh, evolved into the name of tiny housing. Yes, I've heard of it. Okay. Well, in the United States for the past 50, 75, maybe 150 years, the bigger the house, the better. It had to do with your status and everything like this. And what what, uh, getting a big house has done is that it's tilted the market, it's put land at a premium, having big zoning laws, and then a lot of people wind up having nothing at all. That it's like either you have a big house or you're stuffed. But if we can, in fact, each person come around to the idea that, oh, I can have a tiny house. I can have a tiny life, and not only can I have a tiny house and a tiny life, but then it can be magnificent in its tininess. That we don't need to be big and and, uh, spectacular. Okay, so that whole mentality, though, affects us moment by moment when we think of things to do. And so that new thought of, oh, well, I don't have to do that right now, which means that, oh, the tiny little house that I have right now is good enough. I don't have to go build that big house right now. That I can become satisfied with little. The Buddha talks about the four requisites. And surprisingly enough, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa actually added a fifth one to that. And I'll talk to you about it. 
But basically, the four requisites have to do with just enough food, just enough clothing, just enough shelter, and just enough uh, medical attention or med just enough medicines for what we need. Because there is, I mean, live in the tropics, there's a lot of bug bites, mosquito bites, animal bites, all kinds of things. And so having some salve is good. Yes. But not having scab, scab and scratching is not good. That interrupts the skin and makes it hurt a lot longer. So a little bit of medicine, a salve, a little bit of housing, a little bit of clothing, a little bit of food or adequate food is all we need. And there's also Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa added something that I don't think was even basically thought much about in the time of the Buddha, but now that we have clocks, we think about time structuring. And and with that comes entertainment. That in fact, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, I was just reading this morning where one of the students had sent about um, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa at Watso and Mok. Um, he promoted artwork. Monks would do things. One of the monks, in fact, would take great big, like two foot wide with maybe two inch thick slabs of concrete in a big circle and draw things on their relief. It was like vast relief that he would do in cement. And many of those things are still left around Watso and Mok. A lot of it has Indian, there's uh, some Japanese, a lot of artwork. But we call this the spiritual theater, and it has to do with um, entertainment. Mm. Now, the uh, in the in the time of the Buddha, when the monks went to the woods, I guess you could say then that the forest itself was its own entertainment. But now we have a great choice about what kind of entertainments that we're going to be. Um, uh, exposed to. Mm -hmm. And some entertainments get us agitated. Advertisements are intended to get you agitated. That's why they play the kind of music that they play and whatnot like that, uh, is to get you wanting something. Uh, we have also movies that have a lot of excitement and romance and thrillers and all that kind of stuff, which people will then fill their time with for entertainment. And so if we begin to watch what it is that we use for the fifth element, that entertainment, so that just enough entertainment will do us, then we can find entertainment that has enormous value. And that the one that I would recommend by carrying it a little bit further with the Buddha Dasa is the Dhamma itself is great entertainment because it's always wholesome. <laughs> yeah. And so thinking about the Dhamma, uh, looking at the Dhamma, reading uh, Dhamma books, uh, watching Dhamma flicks uh, on YouTube and whatnot like that is good entertainment. Because we do have to spend the time that we're going to spend. And if we can spend it in entertainment, that's going to help us to feel satisfied, feel at home, feel in the here now, then that would be wholesome entertainments that we could have um, applied. I see.
And so uh, beginning to watch now because I've actually already started with you on the uh, the time uh, during the day of what are you going to do with your hands sitting in the chair and all of that. Now we can expand that to this next element of well, how do you spend your time in general? What things do you do moment by moment that give you entertainment? In other words, what is our time structuring? To begin to since huh? we started since we started uh, talking uh -huh. I've, uh, I've starting i i took a, i take now a lot less clients so i work a lot less i work mm -hmm. like two or three days a week and uh and then i just go hiking in the nature <laughs> um it feels a lot a lot, um, a lot more uh, like uh, i have a lot more time a lot more freedom to just mm -hmm. and yes out in nature, open nature, open sky, uh, out in the woods, etc., like that. That's how the Buddha spent his time, his life. And Goenka talks about that. That was one of the things that he mentioned. I don't remember Bhikkhu Buddhadasa talking about it, but he lived in the woods. <laughs> I mean, Watsu and Mok is a forest monastery. Uh, and so that whole quality that the forest itself, is educational and entertainment just walking down the, the forest path and there's all kinds of things that are wholesome and interesting to spend our time with and so yes yeah, spending time outdoors this is a good place to get uh, um, uh, a way of spending our time that's in a wholesome way mm -hmm. is is outside of the boundaries of the four walls yeah, it's trying to sell you anything, <laughs> at least. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, knowing that our time is limited, I wanted to bring this this up to you, is the, the whole quality of sufficiency. Tiny houses, walking, to using our entertainments in a simple way, uh, just adequate food, adequate clothing, and when we go into a minimal kind of existence, guess what? That minimalness is often easily reached to where if we want something big and fancy and flamboyant, now we've got to work really hard to get it. That a little house is easier to take care of than a big house. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. That uh, in fact, even in, um, in the Vasudhi Maga is where it's written, there's the good advice of when you plan on living someplace, don't go to move into a place that's brand new, because if it's new, then there's going to be a lot of defects in the carpentry or whatever like that in making the place, plus the mentality of that it's new, you've got to preserve it and keeping it new. You also don't want a completely run-down ramshackle place that requires you to do the maintenance on a regular basis because everything is falling apart. But there is a vast in-between there to where the house is functional, it's just old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. And, okay, and so this is the kind of thing that we can look for housing, but we can look at that way for uh, for everything. Um, like a car, right? Not a, a brand new one. You will be afraid to scratch it every time. 
and, uh, <laughs> just to... exactly so right so even with our cars it's better to buy a used car but not an old 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 wreck yeah but not a brand new one either if you've got to buy a car buy one two three four years old something like that and that's the uh the best value so this is the new mentality that we develop of um making it easy Finding the easy way out. The band, brand new house, a lot of work. Falling down uh, uh, ramshackle, a lot of work. But a house in in between, that's easy. I see. Uh huh. So uh, looking for the way of uh, ease is also looking for the way of making things simple. To keep it very simple. This is, uh, and you can see that that simplicity model is used uh, in a variety of cases, including Oscom's razor. Okay. What is it? Uh, uh, Oscom's razor has the point of anything that's intellectually um, rigorous that has to be well thought out uh, mechanisms and things like that that almost always the easiest solution is the best solution. Mm. As example, opposite of that would be a Rude Goldberg machine. That it goes around and around and around and around and around just to find out to do something simple. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this is the way that we're looking at it is, is that we're going to begin to keep things very simple. And the simplest one that I can think of is that phrase, oh, I don't have to do that right now. <laughs> That's the simple way out. Well, and then the question is, well, what if you don't do that? And the answer is, is that, well, okay, <laughs> I'll do it later yeah. if I want to. Yeah, I'm okay with the, the result <laughs> of not doing uh -huh. Uh, and that winds up being very wholesome in many respects. I mean, it keeps us from going shopping often. When you think, oh, I got to go buy this, that, and the other thing, and then we can have the idea, well, wait a minute. I don't have to do that right now. And so I can take fewer shopping trips. And so this is the way that we begin to look at these twin things that we're talking about, is the one is to come back to the present moment and the other one is the satisfaction. And they work very closely together, these two things in, in Anapanasati. And that taking that deep breath is the anchor that uh, is so valuable in bringing us back to the present moment. And then the thoughts bringing to gladden the mind of, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to feel that way. I can feel any way that I want to right now. Yeah. So those are the things that we can begin to focus on um, <clears throat> whenever we remember. Just as you're beginning to think about it when you're getting out of a chair. Well, why did I get out of the chair? Maybe I don't have to do that right now. And so I recommend that you continue to practice that way. Yeah, will do. <laughs> okay. So, so when I uh, I feel the need to have more satisfaction, then I will just be uh, like, this is enough. I don't need to uh, treat it like a, like a new house, right? Mm -hmm. That's too big. 
because then it will be a lot of effort to sustain it. Uh, not uh, not dissatisfaction either, but just a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, great. All right, I'll, I'll apply this. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see you later then. All right, <clears throat> thank you very much. All right, see we'll you later. see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.